Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Producer, he's behind the glass, spinning the dials radio style for me tonight. 615-737-1045 is how you reach this program. And before we get into the business of talking sports, as I always start every show, just a reminder of just how amazing I feel like the Lord continues to be in my life. I am blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. This is a tough time for you. I hope it ends. And I can't tell you that it's going to end today or tomorrow. But I can tell you that there is a place where you can place your trust. And so my DMs are always wide open at Jmart Zone for a faith-based conversation. A lot of folks continue to take me up on that offer. And those that don't, certainly your prerogative. And if not me, I hope somebody in your life you can have that talk with. I believe it to be incredibly important. And I believe it to be because I am blessed with the opportunity to be behind the microphone. I feel like it's also not just an opportunity, but a responsibility to at least put that information out there. What you do with it ultimately ends up up to you. But we are here to talk sports. And so, you know, I want to go back and I want to story tell just a little bit here. Not personal. But the big story in sports has been the same story for about four or five days. And we're going to see how it culminates or at least how it's covered in, quote, documentary, unquote, format tonight on HBO. But before we can actually talk about the event itself, I want to take you back to 2000 and, well, it was 19, but it was several months ago. Jeff Darlington, who's really good. On ESPN, sat down with a wide receiver who was disgruntled in Pittsburgh, who wanted to get out, who had made himself as toxic as humanly possible, killing basically the leverage that the Pittsburgh Steelers had to try and move him at that point in time. And what he said that day may have fallen by the wayside and not been taken seriously, but had it actually been really remembered what took place in the past five days or so would not have been surprising at all if indeed it was to you. And so I'm just going to quote from this sit-down interview that this gentleman did with ESPN's Jeff Darlington. Quote, I don't even have to play football if I don't want bro. I don't even need the game. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to prove nothing to anyone. If they want to play, they gonna play by my rules, unquote. Let me read that one more time. I don't even have to play football if I don't want, bro. I don't even need the game. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to prove nothing to anyone. If they want to play, they're going to play by my rules. Of course, you know exactly who said this. It was Antonio Brown with a dyed blonde mustache acting like a lunatic or at least acting like not just a malcontent, but an eccentric that was almost impossible to take your eyes off of. 
but I can't even imagine what a putrid time that had to be inside the front office of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Remember, this is also a guy who then later put up a a tweet with a black and white photo of him, and I think it was Art Rooney II. I've got it in front of me now. It says, had a great meeting with Mr. Rooney today. We discussed a lot of things, and we cleared the air on several issues. We both agreed that it is time to move on, but I'll always have appreciation and gratitude towards the Rooney family and Steelers organization. Hashtag call God. Hashtag booming. Okay. Problem with that tweet was that was not discussed in the meeting. That was actually revealed after the fact that Antonio Brown just put that out there and said, yep, we've decided we're going to go our, we're going we're to go our separate ways. Uh, that was never actually reported. So that was put out there as well. So Antonio Brown was already playing by his own rules back in March. I remember when my Fox Sports Radio show began, the Jason Martin Show, which airs Sunday mornings here on 104.5 The Zone and across the country. I was hoping, I was wondering, I was like, so what story is going to hit on the first night? Because there wasn't a ton going on at that point in time. And literally within two hours of my show beginning, Antonio Brown to the Raiders happened and it was just like Christmas because I could start the show and it was just wall-to-wall phone calls if I wanted to be lazy I could be or I could just drop take after take after take from every different angle about what this means for Pittsburgh what it means for Oakland what it means for Antonio Brown what it means for the NFL it there was just a myriad of stories a myriad of places that I could go But if you go back to that quote with Jeff Darlington, you can see exactly what Antonio Brown is saying. If they want to play, they're going to play by my rules. The problem for Antonio Brown is that the NFL doesn't need him as much as he needs them. He might have thought that that was not the case. And maybe the Raiders do need him. But the NFL is still going to have its 32 teams. There's still going to be over 2,000 players on rosters. There's still going to be head coaches. There's still going to be 11 on offense, 11 on defense. Still going to be kickers, punters, and people watching, and television contracts, and Sunday ticket, and red zone, and all of this. It is the number one undefeated entertainment escape in the United States of America with nothing even close. I think it's what? Probably at this point, it's like NFL and Disney because with Disney acquiring Marvel and all of I mean, if you look at the box office this year, I think Disney has nine of the top ten because of all the various studios, because all the Marvel stuff counts, and then Disney counts, and Pixar counts. And then Star Wars technically is going to be a Disney property as well, and that'll be later on this year. So they're making money hand over fist. But no one is bigger than the NFL, certainly not a wide receiver. So Antonio Brown acted like a petulant child. And what doctors and pediatricians will tell you is that when you have a toddler that cries and sobs and weeps and begging for something, the only way to handle that situation is to let them cry. Now, you've got to make sure it's not a safety thing, but if it's just a I want my way thing, you can't give in. This is a very crude analogy to make in this direction, and I am not trying to make light of one thing or comparing it directly to the other. But there's a reason why the cliche, the phrase is you don't negotiate with terrorists. Because when you do it once, then they realize that they've got you. And then they can just up the ante, continue to ask for other things, and never actually give you what you want. So 
the Oakland Raiders and the NFL, the NFL was not going to back down on Antonio Brown. And of course they did not. And now Antonio Brown's back at camp and he's excited to be back with his teammates. He's super excited to be part of this organization again. And can somebody just find me a uh, version of this shut helmet that I love that had been banned, but one that was produced after 2011, which maybe there's some model out there. He says he'll give him a signed practice helmet. This is a guy who tried to sneak his old helmet painted like the Raiders onto the field and got caught because he's trying to wear a helmet that's been deemed unsafe. I understand being really tied to a piece of equipment or a device or something that you're used to. But that's just the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. The entirety of this would make you think that there's something wrong with Antonio Brown. And he plays a sport in which you can actually point medically to something that could be wrong with him. I hope that's not the case. But this was such a me, me, me kind of moment. I know what his agent said, just that this was important and he can't see out of the new helmet. Do you realize that there are 34 different approved helmets? Just his happens not to be one of them. Do you realize that last year in the NFL, the concussion numbers dropped by 24%, almost all of it due to equipment, mostly due to helmets? Antonio Brown talks about what a family man he is. And I'm certainly not going to say he's not. But I am going to say if you're a family man, you might want to actually be able to remember your family when you see them. And if somebody's trying to say, hey, this right here is going to give you a better life with that family in 20 or 30 years, maybe listen to them. Uh, that that's just my thought. I could be wrong. Also, this was not a new thing. This had been a problem for months, but he knew as did Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And there was a total list of 32 guys that had been quote grandfathered in and were allowed to wear the helmets that they were no longer going to be allowed to put on this year. But there was a notice, a full color poster in all the off-season rooms across the NFL, and I've got it in front of me, and it says, 2019 Helmet Laboratory Testing Performance Results. The NFL, in collaboration with the NFLPA, through their respective appointed biomechanical experts, coordinated extensive laboratory research to evaluate which helmets best reduce head impact security. The results of these tests, which are supported by on-field performance, are set forth on this poster. So there's a list of top-performing helmets. Starts with something called the Vices Zero One and goes all the way down to the Shut Vengeance VTD. Now, Shut is the brand that Antonio Brown has played with his entire career. And this top performing group alone has about 23 helmets in it. And then there's another list of seven that are in sort of an intermediate range, not quite as healthy in terms of the performance testing that they did for safety, but they're still okay. Plenty. And then there's a prohibited list that's in red. And there are 11 on that, including, yes, Antonio Brown's favorite toy. So he said, I'm not going to play football if you don't let me play in the helmet. NFL said, okay. I mean, he sat with an arbitrator. They said no. Yesterday, they said no. And so he said, okay, well, I'm disappointed in this. I guess it's time to go to camp, right? Because he's not giving up the money that he made. He's not giving up $50 million in guaranteed money. I was a little surprised, but I wondered how John Gruden was going to handle this. Because John Gruden could not say what I think John Gruden wanted to say because he has figured out already 
that his newest acquisition, that Mike Mayock's newest acquisition, that the newest Oakland Raiders superstar is one where you have to walk on eggshells to avoid him. Who knows what he would do at this point? Disappearing, going home, throwing half that franchise under the bus. I mean, you had the feet, and the feet were explained. It's macerated skin. It was wet. It's very akin to what's called trench foot in the military. It wasn't exactly frostbite, but it was also dumb. And I'm still trying to figure out why he decided to go to France to get into a cryogenic chamber. But that's, look, that's something that can happen, I guess, especially to Antonio Brown, I suppose. This other thing, though, raises a huge red flag to me because at least they didn't fully give in, but the Raiders backed him because they wanted to make sure he didn't check out on them because they knew he would be back. He threatened to retire. They called his bluff, they meaning the NFL. And the Raiders kind of tried to say as little as they could, but they're supporting their guy because they really want him because he's really good. He's a superb wide receiver. The best way I know to describe it is Antonio Brown is going to be a VIP passenger on your airplane. I mean, he is going to, it's going to be an awesome flight. You're going to want him around, except for the fact that he brings on about 20 extra pieces of luggage. He's got all the Samsonite you can find in Macy's, all of it, and then some. Then you have to look at your airplane and say, boy, do we have enough overhead space for all the baggage that this dude is bringing onto this airplane? And then you have to make that call. And with the Raiders, it was a no-brainer to make this move. But it's also a no-brainer that if you go to bed with a dog, you might wake up with fleas. Things happen based on the past. What he said to Jeff Darlington before the Raiders made this move explains everything about what's happening right now. And my question is this. With as weird as this story was, as poorly as it seemed to have been handled by Brown and Rosenhaus and everybody else, the awful optics of it and the circus nature that already surrounds the Oakland Raiders, what is next? And, oh, my goodness, what if the Raiders open up one and four? What is this dude going to say about Derek Carr? About the coaching staff? About the organization? About the fans? About the rest of the league? Because this is not the kind of thing that just ends. Antonio Brown is like, right now, he's sort of Conor McGregor-ish. He's got the diva tendencies of a wide receiver, but he's doing things that make me think, I'm really hoping this doesn't go any further south. He is a fantastic athlete, and there's nothing that I want to see more than fantastic athletes at the top of their sport performing in a way that just blows all of our minds. But this is just warning sign, warning sign, red alert kind of stuff from Antonio Brown, and it's just flat-out bonkers. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about this, and I want to talk about one of the biggest nights, not in HBO history, because we've had a Game of Thrones finale, and we have had the Sopranos finale and all of these huge television events that they've had. But from a credibility standpoint, tonight is enormous for the future of Hard Knocks. And I want to get into that deeply, because if they don't get this right tonight, 
might as well shutter that thing. I know there's stories about a college hard knocks that that was put out there today with four schools. Maybe we'll discuss that. But they better get this thing right. We'll talk about that. If you've got thoughts, the telephone number is 615-737-1045. That's 737-1045. Antonio Brown's back at camp because he realized, you know what? NFL is still going to move. NFL still going to have games even if I don't play. Be right back. Big 6, 104.5 The Zone. So. Welcome back. This is the Big 6 here on 104.5 The Zone. I am Jason Martin. I am on Twitter at jmartzone. Ryan Mudd is my producer. We are brought to you by Renters Warehouse. They're dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate, renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. I want to talk about the hard knock side of this Antonio Brown story, but just going back through some of the things that Drew Rosenhaus and Antonio Brown said today, just amazing to me. So this is what he says. He shows up 15 minutes before practice ends. And he says, I'm extremely grateful to be here. Been dealing with a lot of adversity. I'm excited to be back, see my teammates, and get in the groove of things. A lot of adversity. All right, the foot thing, that's probably annoying and painful. And I don't want to make light of it. It's dumb that it happened. But it did happen, and I'm sure that's been a problem. If the helmet thing is adversity, we need to have a talk. But then Rosenhaus, Drew Rosenhaus' agent, who, I mean, this is not totally implausible for him, but he goes, it's all reasonable. I mean, it's all very plausible. Then he talks about how the helmet's important to him. I don't even care about that part. I care about this. He says, all the talk about retirement and everything else, that's not a consideration right now. He's committed to the team. He's committed to the season. And everyone can take solace in that. He'll be playing this year and playing for the Raiders. Oh, we can take solace in the fact that he's going to play. Like, if I'm a Raiders fan, I'm just like, all right, well, by week six, what's going to have gone wrong, and he's not going to be here. He's committed to the team. He's committed to the season. He is. He's the one who disappeared. Nobody forced him to. And that leads me to this quote. It wasn't his intention to leave the period, leave the team for the period of time that he did. He's always had a good line of communication with the club. It wasn't his intention to leave the team for the period of time that he did. But he's the one that left the team for the period of time that he did. No one else did. Antonio Brown did. So is he acting in ways as a free human being that are not his intent? I mean, what does that even mean? It wasn't his intention to leave the team for the period of time that he did. I guess you can say it wasn't his intention to lose all the skin off the bottom of his feet from macerated, you know, macerated skin and all of the stuff that happened in the cryo chamber. But he still could have been there every day. I mean, we have seen him on hard knocks. He showed up once, or I think he showed up two, but he only did one pre-practice walkthrough on July 28th and then showed up on the 30th, left early, and then hadn't been there until today. The team already played a preseason game. They played it on Saturday. The biggest story that day 
was Antonio Brown not being there, not anybody in a Raiders uniform being there. It was Raiders-Rams. We'll see their combined practices and probably highlights from that game tonight on HBO. And John Gruden gets asked about Antonio Brown after the game, and he says, we support him, man. Looking forward to having him back, but the helmet's a personal issue for him. It's an issue. It's definitely an issue. And it's certainly a personal issue. I don't even, again, I don't even know what that means, but I do know this. HBO tonight has a, I wonder what their like office staff thinks, what their front office, their executive staff thinks about this, because I don't know how much control they have over hard knocks because it's an NFL films production as such. It's a publicity. It's a piece of publicity. It's basically propaganda for the NFL. It's not a gotcha show. Dave McGinnis told me that last summer on this very program because he had done it before with Jeff Fisher that they're not out there to make franchises look bad. I mean, what would that be for business to make the Raiders look awful or the Jets look awful or the Ravens look awful or the Cowboys look awful or the Dolphins look awful or the Bengals look awful or the Browns look awful. I'm trying to think of all of them now. The Chiefs look awful. The Rams look awful. Is that all of them? I probably forgot one. Uh, The Buccaneers look awful. The Falcons look awful. There have been a lot of teams that have done this. I, I probably still missed a few. But they don't want, they just want the league to look good. They want it to look a little bit rough just in terms of they leave the language in there to make it look a little bit more gruff. But the slow motion and all the cameras, when's the last time you watched a team on hard knocks and did not at least have to talk yourself out of thinking they're going to be pretty good this year? Because of the way that stuff's shot, I mean, everybody at a training camp looks like a superhuman when NFL films cameras have them, like you will hear reports that, Oh, this training camp's just a disaster. This team looks horrible, but not on TV. Generally, you don't see that unless they're actually spotlighting someone that's struggling to make the team, which is one of the storylines they have not pulled out so far this year, but there has never been a story. I don't think unless I'm overlooking something with as much meat on the bone as this Antonio Brown nonsense over the past couple of weeks. And last week, I thought they failed as they tried to just sort of not say anything as it related to his feet. They cannot do that here. And they have final cut. The Raiders have final cut. So they can say, nope, we're not putting that in. They get to watch the footage. And if they don't want it in, then it doesn't go in. But if they don't put this out there, blemishes and all, their credibility is gone. And the show might as well stop tonight. This is either the last episode of Hard Knocks or it's the one where people say, huh, okay. But you have to remember, back to John Gruden's press conference postgame Saturday night after that Rams situation. He walked on eggshells with everything he said about Antonio Brown because that's what you have to do around a diva. So what happens if Antonio Brown, who no doubt is going to watch Hard Knocks tonight, Here's what he didn't hear from John Gruden in that press conference. What if there are a couple guys that say some negative stuff? That would be disastrous for the Raiders. But you would almost assume that some guys, if not a lot of them, would probably say, I'm already tired of this guy. But I would say the Raiders are going to get that cut out because they know Antonio Brown will shut down and this will become an even bigger circus. I don't look, I know how great a football player he is. But at some point, man, at least he's back for right now. 
Hard knocks if they don't get this thing right tonight. All this talk about Alabama and Washington State and Penn State and Arizona State being on this college hard knocks thing, it's not going to matter because it's all going to look like propaganda. It's all going to look like publicity, which ultimately that's what it is. Let's make this league uh, something that we can talk about and, hey, football's back and let's get excited. We're going to watch some dudes hit each other in practice, all this kind of stuff, a couple of fights. We're going to see some dudes get cut. It's time for football. Tonight, it's time to get real. Tonight, it needs to be a documentary of the weirdest thing that we have heard of in this league in a while with one of its biggest name players. The dude that was on the front of last year's Madden, threatening to retire if he can't play with the helmet that he wants to play, and had not been at camp because of not having any skin on the bottom of his foot because of trench foot suffered in a French cryogenic chamber. Are you kidding me? Be right back. Big six, one oh four five the zone. So Welcome back to the Big Six. Find me, Kings of Leon, bringing us back here. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. 615-737-1045. Haven't taken calls in a while, but we will if you want to give us a ring. Antonio Brown and Hard Knocks. We'll all be tweeting about it tonight. I'm sure. They better get it right. I'm telling you. They can't afford, because if they don't, it's going to expose Hard Knocks for everything that a lot of people have always thought it to be. A nice little puff piece about the NFL and about a franchise that just makes that we tune into because football hashtag because football. Another one of the stories going around is people trying to get paid. And we talked about the running backs, but let's talk about Dak Prescott here for a second, because there are a lot of things surrounding Dak Prescott and this story that came out that said that he turned down 30 million a year from the Cowboys and is looking for 40 million a year, which one that's insane. I don't think that's true nor does anyone in Dallas that covers this team. But I think the larger question is, are the Cowboys intentionally making this harder on themselves or just trying to win over popular opinion at the expense of their own players? Because the DAC information, there are a lot of people that believe Dallas is the one that leaked all of that. And Jerry Jones back at the end of July said, hey, you know, Zeke's not here. It's a contract dispute. We're not going to have any daily updates. And then multiple times they've had updates. Stephen Jones has talked. Jerry's talked. There have been a ton of people. Remember he even said, Jerry Jones said, you don't need a rushing champion to win a Super Bowl. And I've laid out that stat for you last week from Scott Kazmar that the past 20 rushing champions, only five have made the playoffs, five or only two of them actually reached or won a playoff game, and none of them had won a Super Bowl during that year. But the $30 million a year for Dak Prescott, let's say he turned that down, okay? And we don't know what all of that entails. We don't know if that's guaranteed money or what's guaranteed of that, what's new money, what part of the package is there. But according to Tim Callishaw in Dallas, he says none of this information came from the agents. It all came from the organization. So they're trying to win a public relations battle with their own players, with the public, but they've already won it. 
And it's it's strange, but I, I was looking at the contracts for the top ten quarterbacks and trying to figure out where Dak Prescott could fall here. Because usually, as the market is set, the next guy that's up gets about a million more than the one before. But of the top ten right now, number one, because he's the last one that signed, Russell Wilson, 35 mil. Roethlisberger is making 34 mil, and this is average salary per year. Rodgers, 33 and a half mil. Carson Wentz, 32 mil. Matt Ryan, 30 mil. Kirk Cousins, 28 mil. Jimmy Garoppolo, 27 and a half mil. Matt Stafford, 27 mil. Derek Carr, 25 mil. Drew Brees, 25 mil. So where would Dak fall in that list of top 10? Certainly he's not a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, but that's not the list of the top 10 quarterbacks. That's really the list of the top 10 guys that have gotten extended and gotten new deals the last 10 that have gone through that ringer that are at least somebody that their franchises would say, yeah, they could probably lead this team. Like I'm not talking about Case Keenum, even though he got paid pretty well too. But if you really think about it, like he's not better than Russell Wilson. He's not better than Big Ben. He's not better than Aaron Rodgers. He's not better than Carson Wentz. He's not better than Matt Ryan. Kirk Cousins, I'm not as big on as some, but he's not as good as Kirk Cousins at this stage, even though he's done more in the playoffs maybe than Kirk has. Jimmy G. That's a lot of money you're paying Jimmy G, who's never played more than five games straight in his career. But based on what we saw in that end-of-season run when they brought him in, when Shanahan finally brought him in and no one had really any idea how to handle that offense at that point, you would pay him based on that. What we saw in the three games where he ended up getting hurt in week three last year, maybe not. Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford's got all the talent in the world, can't win when it matters. Derek Carr, I'll take Dak over Derek Carr. Since the injury. Like, Derek Carr, maybe before the injury, never having had that injury Christmas Eve, the you know, the black day that Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota went down with horrible injuries. I don't think either one's been the same since. But Derek Carr, the attitude, kind of the way in which he's so oversensitive, I'd probably rather have Dak Prescott. And then Drew Brees, I mean, that one's not close. Even though Drew Brees is 40. Dak's much younger, and you're looking at your future. What would you pay Dak Prescott? What is Dak Prescott worth? And if he's turning down 30, then at most he's probably asking for 36 mil a year, not 40 mil. He's not going to go 5 million over Russell Wilson. Like, no agent would even, I mean, an agent's got to ultimately do what the client says, but the agent also has to let the client know when he's being a moron. And there, Dak would be a moron, and that seems very unlike him. He's trying to get big money because, of course, he is. But let's say it's 36 mil. Would you pay Dak Prescott $36 million a year? Who are you going to go get that's better? That's that's the conundrum here because just in a vacuum, no, you wouldn't pay him 36 mil a year. He's worth 20 to 25 mil, probably. But it's not in a vacuum, it's in an NFL where. The resources come out of the draft or they come out of free agency and they are very much finite. So we kind of know what's out there and we know where Dallas is and we know where they're not going to be, which is the number one pick to draft a Trevor Lawrence or a Tua Tonga Vailoa and maybe not even a Justin Herbert or any of this good crop that's going to be coming out here in this next couple of years. So who are they going to go get that's better than Dak? And if Dak fits the system, if he works well with Amari Cooper, if he works well with Jason Garrett, if Jerry Jones likes him, which I do think is the case, and if he and Zeke 
continue to roll because Zeke will be paid, no question about that, then is it worth blowing up that system when you've been pretty close? I mean, you were a 10-win team a season ago. I think you could better that and win the division this year. We'll see. But right now, I've got Dallas winning the division. I still don't think Dak is a great quarterback in that he's not a great thrower on a consistent basis. But I do love his intangibles. But if you have to pay him $36 million to keep him, if that's what he is going to demand, if that's what it does turn out to be, I don't think 40 is true. But let's say it's 36. I might have to let him walk, guys, and go try to get somebody on a rookie deal so that I can pay some other people because I don't think Dak Prescott's worth $36 million. And tying up that much of your salary cap, that much of your hard salary cap, in a player that I think the jury's still out on, that's not what winning franchises do. There is no money that is too expensive to pay the right guy. And by the right guy, I mean the guy that's going to win you a Super Bowl or win you an NBA championship or whatever in the team sport arena. You can't overpay that level of greatness. You couldn't have paid Michael Jordan too much money when he was playing with the Bulls. I think Durant's worth every penny he can make. LeBron's worth every penny he can make. Kawhi, worth every penny he can make. Aaron Rodgers, worth every penny he can make. Tom Brady, still, to me, worth every penny he can make. Franchises that pay the right guys are never going to be called on the carpet for it. The mistake is paying the wrong guys and overpaying the wrong guys. I'm not saying Dak is the wrong guy. I am saying that there's a number that I would not hit, and I can definitely tell you 36 is well above that number as it relates to Dak Prescott. Be right back. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. When you're up. Final segment of the Big Six here tonight. Jason Martin with you, as always. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners benefit from the rental boom by renting their homes the easy way. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Follow me on Twitter at jmarzone. Step one, learn sports. In for Michaels and Mueller tonight. They follow me, Brittany and Avery. That's the show. If you have not checked out their podcast, go to 1045thezone.com. Look for the drop-down menu. Find the podcast. And you can check them out. You can sample all of the various shows that are popping up. Chad's new one, Chit Chad, I believe it's called, had Megan Barry on. PK put out a new episode of Elsewhere about you know your favorite places being closed down and what it makes you think afterwards. That's a really interesting podcast as well. But Step One Learn Sports is close to my heart because it's sports and pop culture mixed. Now, when they start talking about the reality stuff, I end up being just as confused as you know, some people might be about sports that aren't as in tune. So they kind of marry both of those two things together and they do it in a very unique way. Well worth your time. So stick with us tonight and you can sample an hour of them live following me. Jalen Hurts, I wanted to talk about him just for a second, but I might not get to it until tomorrow because this news that there might be a four-team, four-week college hard knocks with Arizona State, Penn State, Alabama, and Washington State. I mean, we said, ah, very, very sneaky by HBO with the four teams that they picked. There's one 
thesis that I've put out on this show many times, which is if you want to talk about these celebrities in sports, the superstars in sports, there are three that rise above all the rest. There are NBA superstars because they don't wear helmets and we see every one of their emotions. And so we recognize them. We even recognize bench players more than we recognize NFL starters because of the helmet. There are college football coaches. There are college football coaches across this country that are the most powerful and known people in their entire states, far more than any politician would be. And the third one is NFL quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, especially like the top of the line guys, Russell Wilson. But take a look at the four coaches, not the four schools, the four coaches that were picked for this potential experiment for HBO. Nick Saban at Alabama. He's Saban. People are fascinated by Saban, and they're fascinated by Alabama. So that one makes sense. James Franklin at Penn State, who has never met a camera he doesn't like, who always has something going on, there's energy around the program. He will be front and center and entertaining. Washington State, Mike friggin' Leach, the pirate, who the last video I saw of him last week, he was belly flopping into a swimming pool on Barstool. Just an amazing, eccentric guy. And then Arizona State. Hmm, who's at Arizona State? Oh, Herm Edwards. These four coaches, Nick Saban, James Franklin, Mike Leach, Herm Edwards, case closed. That's why they were picked. Herm Edwards has been much more entertaining than he has been talented as a football coach. He's known for, you play to win the game, and they'll play that until the end of time on radio and television. But on TV, when he was an analyst for ESPN, he was terrific. I still don't know how he got that gig at Arizona State. But Herm Edwards is an awesome television character. He's intense. He's well-spoken. He's intelligent. And I think that he's also interesting. He's got a good background. And I think you look at these four guys, Saban, Franklin, Leach, Edwards, they're all incredibly different from one another. So you get four episodes that... Instead of, all right, so television has two different ways to do drama. For example, you have your serialized drama, which is Mad Men season three, where it's all cohesive and it goes through, you know, all of what's happening at Sterling Cooper and later Sterling Cooper, Japer Price. And then season four happens and season four builds off of what just happened in season three and season five and season six and so on. Then you have what's called an anthology series. An anthology series is American Horror Story or American Crime Story, if I just want to stay there, or Fargo or anything that season to season, it doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with what happened before. It's like its own novel with its own cast of characters. A lot of times it's it's the same actors portraying different people for the same showrunner. But it's a completely different story. It doesn't require you having seen anything that came before. It's year to year to year. So you have different deals. So you're looking at this, and basically you have four weeks of an anthology series. Because they're not going to build. If it's four different weeks spending a week with each program, 
then it's just going to be four separate stories about how those programs are run. And if you also want to look at it just in terms of Alabama near the top of the heap, the preeminent dominant college football program of the decade without a question. And then you've got Washington state with an established coach. You've got Penn state. That's been very good at times and maybe not in its best condition now. And then Arizona state where you just don't know what you're watching. So there's so much variety here that the four schools that were chosen or that are part of this discussion process, it makes a lot of sense, not just from a variety standpoint, but also just from a television viewer and entertainment standpoint, because ultimately that's what HBO is in it for tonight. They'd better be in it to tell the right story and the whole story and get real actual human reaction, not robotics from Raiders personnel, coaches, players, when they find out that Antonio Brown is not there and is threatening to retire if he can't play with the helmet that he likes. And one other quick story, him painting his helmet, I am praying. I am begging that someone has video of the fake helmet that he tried to bring on the field. I want to see how bad this thing looks. I want to see how bad this thing is mocked up because it reminds me of when I was a kid, I had a General Lee big wheel. Yeah, that's right. I was kind of the man. It was orange. Love my big wheel. One day I said, you know what? I bet this thing would look really good black. So I went and bought like a $2 spray paint with my neighbor, a friend of mine and his family. And they, we bought the spray paint. We came back and we spray painted my big wheel. And I realized, oh, spray paint doesn't just cover this up so smoothly, does it? So what I did was I turned my General Lee big wheel that my parents had bought me, I think as a Christmas present, into an awful looking mess that was like chipping paint forever. And the reason I say chipping paint forever is because they didn't buy me another big wheel. That was the lesson. It's like, no, you're going to be rolling where you would have been rolling in this pretty high end big wheel. Now you're rolling in. Well, something that we can't even put in a yard sale, son. Good job. So I just, I'm so hopeful that this Antonio Brown attempt was something akin to my big wheel experiment and has like backwards colors or like the shield with the Raider on it. It's like a stick figure. Like, please, I don't ask for much in this world. I need to laugh tonight at that helmet. And I'm going to be so disappointed if that thing is not on film. Step one, learn sports coming up next. If you have not heard Brittany and Avery, please stick around. You'll be glad that you did. I will see you tomorrow. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night. Hey, it's Chris Jarrett.